Hi, welcome to Conference in Review. I'm Dana. And I'm Derek. We've got a talk for you today that we've been studying. We've been studying Happy and Forever by Elder Garrett W. Gong. And the way it all works out, since we've been doubling and tripling up, uh, we're pretty much just going to have one talk per week from now until our next general conference in April. Mm-hmm. You believe that's only two months away? Yeah. Oh, the time. Now, Elder Gong, you know, there are some there's some um, of these general authorities that you listen to them speak and you just get them. And you're like, that that apostle speaks to me. And there's other ones where I think it's easy to just kind of gloss over and say, that was nice and not think about it unless you are forced to go back and study it. And sometimes I feel like that's how I feel about Elder Gong. Yeah. I've always really liked him because he just seems to have this, this sweet personality. But I hear his talks like, oh, that's nice. And I move on. And then when I go back to study, I feel like there's so much meaning underneath it that I have to chisel to get out that I'm just yeah. not seeing. We've noticed we have to work at it with Elder Gong's talks. Yeah. There's, they're good, but they don't um, flow, I guess, the way we're used to. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for some people, it's he's probably their favorite speaker. Not that he's bad, but no. But th- this is a really good talk. Um, happy and forever. And so we'll we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about it and share our feelings yeah. about it. I'm going to start with a quote that he gives, and this is probably about four paragraphs in. Yeah. Our relationships include love, sociality, and personality. And when we talk about we talk about being to, sealed with our loved ones forever, we always talk about the love, the sociality, the personality. We talk about it a lot, but one thing that we don't like to talk about that as often is there's also friction hurt and sometimes profound pain as imperfect humans we we do that to each other because we don't know as much about each other we don't see like our heavenly father sees us and we we do cause each other hurt and pain yeah so he's saying how the opportunity that we have through Jesus Christ is, well, I'm going to skip down a little further. We have a profound opportunity and gift to discover new spiritual understanding, love, repentance, and forgiveness with each other and our families in time and eternity. So Derek, when he says in time and eternity, in time, that's this life, right? And then eternity is the rest of it. Yeah. Yes. So when he says happy and forever, I kind of has the same meaning, happy is now and forever is after this life. Mm-hmm. So that's, he's kind of talking about both. But he, he shares a couple stories that have to do with this. That the first one, he says he shares two sacred experiences. One of them is uh, a couple when they join the church, they... They're joyfully learned about the family relationship and that it's not just till death do you part. They're excited about going to the temple and all of all that came with it, but they didn't want to get sealed. The, the, the wife didn't want to get sealed for her father because he was very mean to her mother 
and he, he was very mean to them. And so they got sealed, but they didn't do the work for him. They did it for everyone else, but she's like, he's going to have to wait. Mm-hmm. So for a year, she fasted and prayed and made herself ready and willing to forgive him so that she could do his work. She also had a dream. Her dad appeared to her in a dream, and he was dressed in white. He he had changed. He said, look at me, I'm clean. Thank you for doing the work for me in the temple. He says, now get up and go back to the temple. Your brother is waiting to be baptized. I told Derek that I... I kind of have a story like this in my family tree where my great-grandfather, no, it was my great-great-grandfather, his sister, she'd been married twice. The first husband passed away and she had three children. The second husband, they were divorced and she had a child with him. Third time she went to get married, the third husband wanted nothing to do with her children. And she was still pretty young because they had some more children together. He didn't want it. He didn't want her to. He didn't want to raise them. And not only did he not want to raise them, he didn't want anyone in her extended family to raise them. He wanted them to go to strangers. My, her brother, so my great great grandfather, he and his wife, they were so angry. Actually, no, it was just, it's just with my first great grandfather. This is my grandma's cousins. And she was, they were just so, they just, could not say anything nice about it. his his initials were M E M E Cooper and I remember I got on in touch with a, one of his descendants on uh, ancestry.com she said yeah my other uncle he referred to him as me Cooper because it was always about him he was not nice he you know how sometimes kids would like take something without asking or borrow something without asking he borrowed a horse without asking, and my uncle, or this particular great uncle, he um, started to beat him, you know, with the stick or whatever, and my great-grandmother caught him, and she chewed him out and everything, but he was not someone that was loved. He was not someone we wanted to be sealed for, and I remember seeing his name sitting there, needed the sealing done. I did not want to seal him. And I think, well, you know, she's already sealed to her first husband. So she really doesn't need to be sealed to him, does she? But I knew I needed to do the work for him. Yeah. Because I don't know what happened. The, The next story also kind of makes me think of this about how this great, he's looking for his great grandfather and he finds that the man who they thought was their great-grandfather is not him. So he's fixing the work. And the man, early one morning, my friend said he felt a spiritual presence of the man in his room. The man wanted to be found and known in his family. The man felt remorse for a mistake for which he had now repented. And it made me think of how we're often told it's easier to repent in this life than the next. And I think of how if this man meaning the living one, if he had not been in tune to the spirit, if he was not doing what was right, he would not have felt the promptings of his his great-grandfather nudging him to do the work for him. And I think that's part of why it's easier in this life, because we don't depend on the others to do the work for us. It's interesting how often five is the is the number, as we've been studying. It seems like almost every week the talk, the the they give five 
ideas or five principles, and he has five here that go along with how we can have personal healing and peace. The first one is that through the atonement, her body and spirit will be uh, united forever. And the second one I think is probably most important is the atonement. Yeah. It comes from exercising faith and bringing fruits meet unto repentance. I like what he says here in the last part. It's He says, Temple ordinances do not of themselves change us or those in the spirit world, but these divine ordinances enable sanctifying covenants with the Lord, which can bring harmony with Him and each other. It's through our living those ordinances that the changes happen. Yeah. We go to the temple to learn about those ordinances. But as we live them, that's where the change happens through Christ. Mm-hmm. Number three, God knows and loves us perfectly. Meaning that we can't, it's like the little kid who thinks they can pull something over on their mom or dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you think I don't see you over there opening the cookie jar after I told you not to, to eat any cookies until after dinner? Um, so he knows us perfectly. He does have um, his arms out there to save us, and he knows us perfectly. When he gives the example of Alvin... Oh yes, uh, the brother Smith. of yeah, the brother of Joseph Smith. That he died, and uh, Joseph Smith saw him in the Celestial mm-hmm. Kingdom, and it was because it was based on how he lived his life. Yeah, the the desires of his heart. Yeah, it's good to know that there is opportunity after this life. There's a space. Yeah. Uh, he does talk about those who deliberately choose wickedness. I remember I was thinking something about this when we were talking about this talk last night, about people who deliberately, um, yeah, says we cannot knowingly sin on Saturday then expect automatic forgiveness by partaking of the sacrament on Sunday. Well, and he, he goes on to say that the reason that you can't is because missionaries and anyone else, in order to have the Spirit... You've, you must be obeying those standards and those commandments. If we don't have the Spirit, then we're not going to be guided. We're not going to uh, have that influence in our lives. So fourth, the Lord gives us divine opportunity to become more like Him through proxy-saving ordinances. And those ordinances, by proxy, we become saviors on mount zion for those others a lot when we go to the temple especially when you do ceilings um one thing i like when you go to the temple if you have not been you know you you start off doing the initiatories that's prepping you for the uh the endowment session and they liken it to in the ancient times how the 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 sons of aaron would would wash before and they were anointed before they go in the temple. So that's what that's symbolic of. And the endowment, there's, 
it's very it's very ritual ritualistic so you have the things that are re- the same um things repeated over and over again every time you go but when you get sealed although there is the the doing sealings on behalf of those who are deceased also on yourself is that the actual sealing um ceremony is the same but the sealer has an opportunity to talk to you and you have have the opportunity to ask him questions it's a lot more how would you say it's 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 a little less formal because there's less people there and you can ask questions you can talk mm-hmm. to him and it's really neat and oftentimes as they thank you i have often heard the sealer remind us use this quote um you are saviors on mount zion mm-hmm. as we serve others and I hear that so often. Yeah. And it's easy to sometimes like, oh, yeah. But think of how profound that is to be a savior to someone else. Yeah, we're literally providing a way for them to get back to Heavenly Father. When I was young, so around 21, that's when the sisters could go on missions around my age. And my father really, uh, he even is, my daughter's going, she's, like his first, he said, he told her, oh, yeah, you're my first biological grandchild to go on a mission. And then he's over there discouraging her from going because he's like, oh, girls shouldn't serve missions. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when I had that on me, I'm like, oh, just be glad he's not your dad. He's just your grandpa. He can't stop you like he did me. It meant a lot to me that being able to do temple work, and it was in my patriarchal blessing to about doing temple work for my deceased ancestors, to know that I could still do work for others, that although I could not serve a mission, a proselyting mission to those living on the earth now, I could at least do something for someone, even if it was just um, going to the temple to do ordinances for those who hopefully have repented and have accepted the gospel. Okay, that gets us to number five, right? Yep, the golden rule. And our golden number these last few weeks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Teaching us that repentance and forgiveness invites us to offer that which we ourselves need and desire. And this is typical Elder Gong where you're like, okay, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, he in the next sentence, he, he kind of reiterates it in a different way that spoke to me more. Yeah. Sometimes our willingness to forgive someone else enables both them and us to believe we can repent and be forgiven. So in other other in other words, when you forgive someone else, you're allowing when you forgive someone else, you're giving them the chance to repent and you're also giving yourself the chance to know that you believe in repentance is possible, that you can be forgiven. That as you forgive someone else, of course you can be forgiven. Yeah. I hope that makes sense, mm-hmm. but yeah, it took that was one of those things that I had to okay, wait a second. What? Oh, I see what he means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really and it's good. Very profound. When once you have that untangled, you're like, of course. I didn't think of that before. It's like yeah, if I don't forgive someone, that's like I'm telling heavenly father that I don't really believe in I don't really believe that in your you don't you well when you stop and think about it you're like um if i won't forgive someone then what what makes what makes it 
so that I, why should I be forgiven if I can't forgive? Yeah. And a lot of times we justify it by saying, well, this person did something really horrible. And I think one of the most horrible things anyone could possibly do is when a parent like sexually abuses a child, like more so than any other person doing it, or if they allow it knowingly to happen, because a parent more than anyone else is, is the guardian of their children. You know, they yeah. keep them safe and out of danger and to betray that is like the worst so i don't know sometimes i think well, what is the worst worst thing that someone could do to me i don't know <laughs> uh, listen to a podcast uh hank and john uh the, the lady on there was was uh bullied for a long time growing up she talked quite a bit about how how badly it affected her, and it took her a long time to get over the hurt and pain. And one of the things she talked about was um, memorizing scripture. That as she memorized those scriptures of Christ and was able to not just say, oh, there's a scripture and it says something like this, but be able to say the exact words and have them in her mind allowed her to feel the power of the atonement. And she felt that there was a power of, of Jesus Christ that affected her because she was able to recite those uh, from memory. And she referenced that Richard G. Scott talked, gave two talks, at least two talks, maybe more, on uh, the benefits of memorizing scriptures, that, that memorizing scriptures, he calls it, is like having an old friend. I think we've talked about it before. Mm. But he talks about the fact that having that scripture there and available to recite, for me, uh, when I memorize a scripture and you have it there and it's available and you hear somebody say something or you hear another scripture that relates, you instantly recognize it because of the wording. And so you hear some of the words that are similar and you instantly are able to recognize the similarity between that other scripture. And so you're able to gain a better understanding. The other thing about memorizing scriptures is that you... In order to memorize it, you have to understand each word and the tense and why each word is there. And so you have a, a very good understanding of that scripture. It just changes the way you understand that scripture when you have it memorized. Mm -hmm. And she used that as a tool for healing and, and said that that was a way that the atonement influenced her life. I'm going to take two of these quotes of his kind of out of order. The first one is, happy and forever do not mean that every relationship will be happy and forever. That's true because sometimes, like we've said last week, sometimes you have to distance yourself from a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, as I don't know what will happen on the other side when we are perfected. I don't know if we'll be able to 
regain those relationships of hurt and everything when everyone's repented or, or what. But I know that um, sometimes some relationships need to be terminated and um, distanced. And then further up, the paragraph before, he says, with the Savior's help, we can surrender our pride, our hurts, our sins to God. And I think about sometimes when we won't forgive someone because we've been hurt so bad, part of it is pride. And forgiveness does not mean, like we've talked about, Elder Holland, you don't put yourself in a back in a toxic situation with someone you shouldn't be with. That's not forgiveness. That's um, forgiveness and then distance. Because the distance helps you forget, I think, when you're away from certain relationships. It helps you so you're not always thinking about it. Well, the, the forgiveness allows you to release it. Mm-hmm. If if it's if there's contention or anger, you're holding that, and it it's a canker, and it festers, and and gets worse when you forgive and release it. You no longer carry it around with you. And I feel like you you take the power away from those who hurt you like we spoke of people who never are apologetic i mean think of if you've ever seen the movie unbroken there's actually two unbroken one unbroken Mm -hmm. two and the first one is all the bad stuff that happened to him during world war ii and the second movie was him learning to deal with that after it was over because once once all the once you've been hurt and everything there's we always talk about PTSD post traumatic stress disorder and there is a certain amount of PTSD that comes from the traumatic things that happen and he learned through God I I know he was converted to a life in Christ before while even while he was suffering out there on the ocean he promised but of course he came home and life was hard and he would drink to to get rid of the demons, which yeah. didn't work. But he was listening, I think it was Billy Graham would do his little circuits and his preaching, and that's really what changed him. Mm. And he went back to Japan to forgive in person those who persecuted him, but the one who was the worst would not see him. So what do you do when someone who was the absolute worst, and he did horrible things, he purposely would humiliate and hurt him and have other people do it to him, like everyone line up and punch him, you know? Yeah. Because he was famous, because he had been in the Olympics, so he purposely targeted him to make his life miserable on purpose. And he, too proud, this guy who did this, too proud to see him, wouldn't apologize, and didn't even want to look at him. And he had to forgive him. And he did. He was like, you know what? I forgive you. Even if you will not see me, I forgive you. And I'm taking this hurt and this anger and I'm giving it to God. Because it's too heavy for me. It was. It was killing him. Yeah. Those are horrible things that happened to us. But I do like the idea of surrender. Surrendering pride, even because you could be angry. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to yell at you and I'm going to hurt you as much as you hurt me. I don't think it's possible for him to hurt him more than he hurt him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just takes something big. And then, like they say, when you let it go, you aren't bothered anymore. I'm over it. Or 
Have you seen someone when you've gotten into an argument when you clash with someone and you're both angry and when one person decides to let it go, the other person who won't forgive, they're the ones who are suffering, not you. And you apologize and someone won't accept it. I feel like this talk was a lot about, I mean, we talk a lot about forgiveness and we talk a lot about repentance. And I think that's been a theme for the last three weeks for us. Mm -hmm. But I felt like this talk really focused on the nitty gritty of human relationships. And some of the things you don't necessarily talk as much about that, you know, that affect you. Yeah, it's a good talk. So I'm been kind of sick and I've been working on blogging on our website and just putting some stuff up there. Um, things are still kind of crazy. I still work my job and Derek's got his and we're always busy mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to do this on the side. So um, just we, we do want to get to know you. I think you can go on the website. I think you can leave messages. We'd love to hear from you. We let, we want to know who's out there. Who Who else has a a love for following the words of our living prophets and apostles and other church leaders. And with that, we'll ask you to follow the prophet.